0: Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What?, the comics podcast for the Savage Critics website. Episode 92 brings Graham McMillan and me together again for the first time as we podcast live from Graham's attic in Portland, Oregon. Topics discussed include adventures and in the oddness of its worldwide profits, the amazing Spider-Man movie and its marketing scheme, the movie Safety Not Guaranteed, and a terrifying quasi-related Blair Witch Project story from Graham, Uh, Our very favorite place on Earth, The Waffle Window, Bill Drummond and Jimmy Coddy's The Manual, How to Have a Number One the Easy Way, Batman Earth One by Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, and much more. Also, for the first and maybe the last time ever, we have time-stamped show notes waiting for you at my July 3rd entry over on the Savage Critic website. Yes, for those of you who only want to hear us talk about Spider-Man and Alpha, or only Casanova, you can now narrow our ramblings down with Pinpoint Precision this is a thing you like, definitely let us know as I'm already hurting my head with all the proper timestamp adjustments to be made once this introduction is recorded. And it is probably worth trying to keep me motivated to do stuff like this if you like it. In any event, though, we hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, thanks for listening. Action! We're rolling. You know this seat's going to kill me because it just creaks every time. I'm to edit that damn thing out. You
1: Or you could just not move. I feel like should be like, Jeff Lester!
0: That's right. That's how
1: we always talk. Yeah, exactly. But, but now we're face to face. I've said hello to you days ago. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. I guess we should greet the listeners. Hi, listeners. Hello. Welcome to sunny Portland. That's yeah. super sunny Portland. Good lord. You know what's also funny? You wave Yeah, well, you know, I
1: think we normally do that anyway, but we don't see each other. Really. I know, I know. Like... And I'm totally
0: like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Jeff waving <laughs> as if like I don't normally do that. This, this is going to be... Yes, it's going to be monumentally awkward, listeners. I don't think we could have oh, done ninety. We, we should
1: explain why because oh, we're, we're in right. the same room.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's right. In many ways, the listening quality after my brilliant sound engineering sounds just about the same as it does when we Skype halfway across the country to each other. But
1: don't think about it. That's an advertisement for Skype. Skype could totally be to like, it's literally like being in the same
0: room. We we should if get the Jeff Lesser's <laughs> engineer for podcasts. That, yes. Yeah, one of those amazing advertising caveats, you know. Uh yeah, no, I think it's
1: they, it. they could be like, like in the same room. If Jeff Lester was saying it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's so sad and so true. So yes, I've been up here for Three Sunday, days. three yeah. days yeah, yeah it's been it's been really close to three full days oh
1: i should also say this is the sorry for standing you up dylan McConus podcast because i was going to go to periscope today and now i'm doing it tomorrow because we flipped the days we're recording the podcast and when i told her on twitter because she was like today's the day of going coming to the, the studio and i was like actually it's tomorrow and she really was like i'm giving you this death glare <laughs>
0: Sorry, Periscope. Yeah, it just sort of turned out that uh, we we normally podcast normally on it Thursdays. Thursday, yeah. yeah, exactly. But this turned out to be much much better. Uh, the chances of me being skinned alive by my brother now is diminished. Because your brother is a big man. I, th- I think if we pissed off your brother, your brother could dismantle us
1: really without breaking like taking yeah. a breath he, yeah
0: it would be very easy for him it's true he could probably club one of us to death with the other one yeah so. that, and then, and then that, that would be awesome it'd
1: be like the hulk and the avengers <laughs> oh that was
0: going clung
1: clung clung that'd be great also
0: known yeah. as the good moment uh, oh there's lots of good moments there are football. but that's what did is you is see that the the film made moment?
1: 600 million dollars in american box office yeah that's insane. That is,
0: it's astonishing that it. And it, and it right now, it's really
1: like at eight hundred seventy nine million
0: worldwide. Worldwide, yeah, which is um,
1: which is also awesome insane if you think about it, because that means that because it's a, it's a massive success everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that means that the rest of the world cumulatively adds up to less than half of what America's made for it. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't kind of blow your mind as well?
0: I, I kind that of can't wrong, figure out how that works because yeah. when you look at look at the other movies that are on the all time top ten list, at yeah. which it's cracking. You know, stuff like Titanic did pretty much very well everywhere in the world. Yeah. You know what but I mean?
1: Avengers is doing really well in the world. That's the thing that really exactly. confuses me. It's not like Avengers is a flop everywhere. No, 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 no. America.
0: Exactly. It's just, it's a huge, massive success here. And then, I don't know, it's just, there's, I wish I understood what was going on with the worldwide box office that that is, because it, se- it does. It, it seems, seems like really a very low. small, it's, yeah. It's
1: like, really? Like, people love it that much more in America, but... They kind of, right?
0: I don't know. Is it? Do you think it's because the the value of the rest of the world currency is so bad that once maybe, you translate it?
1: Or maybe there's some maybe there's some sort of like only part of that money, like only part of the box office really counts towards that number
0: because they've got to give it to other people or something? Me, well, maybe, know. right. There the, could be foreign distributors yeah, that, that are taking it a just chunk seemed really or weird. something. It was, it was yeah.
1: really weird math. Because I would have thought... I mean, don't get me wrong, America's big, but the rest of the world, cumulatively, <laughs> is bigger. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I, I would have absolutely. thought it would be more. Right. It would be like, you know, it's 279 in America, yes. and 600 outside America. Yeah, because, yeah, yeah. Right. You know. Yes,
0: because it's the, the rest, rest of the world. Of the world, world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, it is. It's very odd. Do you know how long it, where it stands on the, the numbers? It I know... is the third most
1: successful film
0: right. ever Okay, at this point, behind... Uh,
1: God, Titanic a and Avatar and it's really close to Titanic. Like I I suspect it will
0: just it will overtake Titanic before he leaves
1: the theater. Holy shit. It's okay, so it did million, finally take it's over. It's 58
0: million dollars behind Titanic. Wow. And cuz Dark Knight was the number 3, wasn't it? For a really long time. Yeah, for yeah. for a while. So, holy smokes. I I think I I did,
1: did something for spin-off for this tomorrow uh, yesterday rather, but I think that Disney and Marvel could make it could put it over Avatar. Holy cow. Well,
0: yeah, because they can sort of push it somehow. I think there's
1: many ways they can push it, but also they could do what Avatar did, which is Avatar's only at that number because they re-released it with extra footage. Oh, that's right. And there's at least an hour missing from Avengers. Right. Like, there's entire plots that were stripped out of Avengers that Joss Whedon's on record is saying. Right. Like, there's the Captain America plot you were talking about. You're like, I can't believe there wasn't a thing about this. There was, Mm -hmm. and they took the entire thing out of the movie. Wow. So... Yeah. There was a lot of extra footage that they could add back in.
0: Yeah, they probably could. They could probably just add a lot and do it as a special edition yeah. direct to the theaters, yeah. blah, blah, blah. My jokey uh,
1: suggestion for spinoff was they should cross-promote it with, like, Spider-Man and Dark Knight mm-hmm. and be like,
0: weird, the superhero movie that didn't let you down. <laughs> Come back <laughs> and see right. it. That's right. Come back again. Well, did you see the, uh, the point that... Um Julian Lewis Blair made on uh, in one of our comments threads about Spider-Man? Uh, no. he What he said, and I thought this was a brilliant point, is he's like, they're promoting the movie all wrong. Because, as you point out, they're sort of doing the... It's like the reboot of the legend, the origin, you didn't know. I know. it's It begins again. And you're like, it began 10 years ago. Seriously, I remember it beginning. Exactly. And his point was... He's like all all the hipster kids I know would be thrilled to pay money to see Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield in a superhero movie, you yeah. know. And that, and because they're not really played up as much, Emma Stone is really not played up, which is kind of surprising. It's a she's a huge like the mistake. Star yeah. in the movie it, by far, exactly. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And you think they'd be like, "Hey, it's Emma Stone being cute the way that Emma Stone is,"
0: right? Yeah, they actually were able to launch a successful movie with just her just a year ago or something or yeah, whatever hell, it was at yeah. EZA. And EZA, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it is, it's really, it's one of those things where but I'm not I sure they're marketing. Right. I think it's one of those things where they're like,
1: I don't think the people, I don't think the Spider Man audience cares who Emma Stone is.
0: Right. Like, well, I, I think
1: it's one of those, you know, and I think that's possibly right, but in order for Spider Man to be success, it's got to go beyond the Spider Man audience. Exactly. That, that's
0: all Because the Spider Man audience
1: is going to go anyway. Right you know so you'd think they'd be like well maybe we should try selling it to other people I don't know yeah no that's but it but then it really when you're should. like it's Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone in the movie together uh, listener we saw Safety Not Guaranteed last night yes we did um, I have since last night realized that I actually don't like the film
0: see I knew you would come around to my thinking everyone was like oh look at Jeff he's a little crabby blah blah no, blah no it's really
1: funny because I, I was thinking about it this morning and mm-hmm. I was like you know what it is it's a decent idea, and has a pretty good script, and everything else about the film I had problems with. Yeah. Everything else about the film. I yeah. Was like, every, every actor I had problems with. Yeah. The music, as I said in the night, the music killed the film for yeah, me. Yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. It, it really was like, hey, do you remember the Polyphonic Spree? We're ripping them off. Mm. Um, yeah, I just, but it really was, it was like, the ultimate, we are indie kids making a science fiction film film.
0: Yeah, I mean, should we talk a little more? Because I'm not sure it'll even be wide released by the time that, you...
1: that's a really good question. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Explain "Safety Not Guaranteed."
0: So, "Safety Not Guaranteed" is, is an indie film starring Aubrey Plaza uh, and who's the guy from from the new Oh girl? Jake Johnson. Jake Johnson, who's in it, who's who's actually sort of charming, and the it's based apparently on a true story about somebody who put in an ad in the paper. Is it really? I didn't know that. Would, I, I could be falling for the, the, the absurd marketing promo hype. Maybe it's did, not. Did
1: you believe that the Blair Witch Project was actually based on tapes that were found in the woods? You did,
0: didn't you? I did. I actually spent most of my time crying for two hours uncontrollably. <gasps> exactly.
1: You are like, those poor kids. I know. Josh, oh, what <laughs> happened to Josh? Yeah, so. I've told you my Blair Witch Project story, right? No. That I saw it. It came out. And I could be horribly wrong. People in Britain who have better memories, you'll know this. I seem to remember it came out around Halloween Mm -hmm. in Britain. And I saw it with a bunch of friends. Uh, We all went to the cinema. uh, It was a fairly late showing. We came out and a friend was staying over at my apartment. Right. Oh, no. Yeah. And so in the middle of the night, the friend thought it'd be really funny. if He crept into my room and stood in the corner, facing the corner, Mm -hmm. and waited for me to wake up. And I did. I've never been so scared. I was about like, to say. Never. That been is so scared. an
0: unbelievably cock thing to do. It really
1: was one of those moments where, like, you wake up and not that you shit yourself, but in everything other than the actual bowel
0: movements, you do. Right, right. Your yeah, soul shatters. You, re- you really are just yeah. like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. See, that, that is, your friend is. Uh, ingenious. It in is. His... It's
1: one of those like ingenious, but such an ultimate dick move. Oh, it's
0: so bad. Don't do that. Like, I, seriously, I thought of it, thought of doing that like maybe six months after the movie and tittered, but would never want to put anyone through that. But yeah, you are doing do, it the night that you saw night? It. night of... <laughs> no, seriously, that would fuck me up for life. That <laughs> oh, really my. would. Oh my God. That is wow. Well done.
1: Yeah, yeah, but, well well done, that version. Exactly. Um, so, safe, uh, sorry, right. Yeah. So, safety not guaranteed.
0: The gist is that uh, Aubrey Plaza plays a young intern for Seattle Magazine. Uh, Jake Johnson plays the sort of uh, louche uh, reporter. Louche. Yeah, I think so.
1: Louche is a good word.
0: Yeah, who, who ends up uh, you know, sort of volunteering for the, the assignment to, to do a story on this guy who has placed a classified ad um, looking for a partner to go uh, on a time travel uh, adventure with them. They yes. need it. They need a partner, somebody who can handle uh danger and you know. When
1: uh, the heat gets hot, which I love that line. Yeah, I, yeah, really yeah. Don't know. <laughs> I need someone who can
0: handle it. When the heat gets hot. Yeah. So so what happens is this mystery person's rented a PO box, Aubrey Plaza, Jake Johnson, and another intern. Some guy who's called Arlo in the film. The yeah, Arlo, that is... which seemed like the world's least Indian name ever, but played yes. by 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 an Indian kid. But
1: also, like that was a. I felt sorry for Arlo. Arlo wasn't really a character as much as he was there to be a punchline for Jake Johnson's character. Yes, you know. Well, the, yeah, exactly. He like he really got the shitty end of the stick.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's the weird thing actually about the movie is for me is so. Aubrey Plaza ends up being the only one who's able to sort of get close to the guy who's placed the ad, who is... This is, again, this is some weird... I did not know about the brothers Duplass who have apparently produced a couple of movies. I'm going
1: to see what other films are Yeah, look Look what they do. They
0: definitely produced this one and then Mark Duplass plays Mm -hmm. the... Strange, mysterious, quasi-deranged guy who looks a lot like uh, Roddy Piper from They Live, to, to my I, mind. Yes, I'm so glad you said that, because I was thinking that, and I was like, he looks like someone. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, let's see. Mark Duplass plays Kenneth in this film. He he looks much better on his IMDb photograph. Oh. just more to point that out. He was in The League, apparently. Huh. Uh, uh, he's been in lots of things. Yeah, maybe uh, you should look stairs. at the
0: producer and see
1: where he's. Uh, let's see. Saved and UnGuaranteed. Your sister's sister. Hmm. No, 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 not so much. Not, nothing really. Huh? Ridiculous. Let's I think your sister's sister is. Your also sister's playing. sister is just like yeah, it just recent. came out yeah. recently. Yeah. So let's see. Is the director anyone we would recognize? N- I wouldn't think he's so with those directing abilities. So this was made <laughs> for
0: about. Four bucks as far as we can tell filmed in Washington on a coastal little sleepy town village and it's you know it's a charming Indian indie comedy in which Aubrey Plaza uh who has her own baggage of her past tries to get close to this guy and figure out why he's A, why he believes that he can travel back in time, and B, what he wants to go back for. Yeah, she she
1: basically wants to know what his story is. And it
0: starts off, she wants to know what the story is because
1: she wants to write the story. Yes. And then she gets completely emotionally involved, not only with the character, but also with the idea of going back and fixing your mistakes. Yes. And while this is going on, Jake Johnson's character is literally going back and trying to fix his mistakes by looking up an old girlfriend. Right. Like, that was the part I... I think I appreciate most Mm -hmm. that you have the metaphysical, what if we can actually go back in time? Right. And then you have the reporter trying to do the same thing, but not in a science fiction way. Like he literally is like, I've been thinking about this girl since I was in high school. I'm going to go back and I'm going to romance her. And he completely opens himself up in a way that he hasn't done since high school. Yeah. And you know, that goes as it goes because I don't completely want to ruin this for people. Right. And I like that. I like the, the parallel.
0: Yeah, it 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 actually saying it so baldly faced, you would think that it, it would seem yeah, it a little sounds, too it sounds on really the nose clumsy when I say it. but yeah, in the movie it, it like actually it. works really well. It's it in in that sense, it is I think a, a very well structured screenplay. There's some good actors, but I think it's hampered by its budget and its direction because some of the actors are not. Given the proper direction, yeah, I, I, I think. I think it's scenes. also. I think
1: it's also kind of hampered by the performances. Mm-hmm. As, as much as everyone else last night was like, Jane Johnson was great in this. I thought he
0: was really uneven. Right as I as did I as yeah. you know and
1: anyway, um, and and Aubrey Plaza. I know you were like Aubrey Plaza. We both sort of left the yes. theater being like, hey, she can do something other than smirk. And it was the most range she's shown?
0: Yes. But it
1: also wasn't an incredible range.
0: Well, and this is this is part of the problem that is one of the charms of the movie, I think, is the fact that she is very unapologetically the f- the protagonist, yes. she's the female center of the film, and also um, no, I think apart because just the she's the female her.
1: center in the film. She's the center of yeah, the film. The
0: center of the film. Well, and that's what I was going to say. Is is that one of the things that was great is for a movie that you can sort of tell was written by guys and is directed by guys. Um, it really does not objectify her and it doesn't really seem to push her in, in a in a way. Yeah, you know that I thought was kind of great, despite the fact that you have the occasional. Dude who says the, wow, you're really pretty sort of statement. But I
1: kind of like that because when the dudes say that, Mm -hmm. it feels extra clumsy. Do you know what I mean? Like at no point does it seem like suave or funny or something. You Mm -hmm. really do see it, maybe not through her eyes, but you definitely see them as, why are you saying this? Like, what are you doing? Exactly. In a way that I think other movies don't like other movies right. would bring Aubrey Plaza in to be like, you know, it's the hot alternative chick.
0: Yes. And what's great about her is she is really essentially just a person and a person who has stuff that she is kind of wrestling with. Yeah. Um And what's great is depending on how you look at it, Aubrey Plaza does a very good job of sort of building on her sort of snarky distant persona by sort of, taking out the snark and suggesting that there's more going on to the distance. Yeah. She's given a lot of reasons for her to, you know, in trying to get close to the time machine guy, she has reasons to be distant even in that scene. She has reasons to be distant from the people in the other scenes that she has. So it does, a, it, it, in that sense, it's a very smart choice for her because you have reasons to see what, seem why she's aloof yeah, and stand it's off-ish.
1: it's building the Aubrey Plaza character
0: type, like yeah. because it starts with the she's
1: April from Parks and Rec. You know, mm-hmm. here's the snarky person who's better than their job and is emotionally distant. Yeah, but very quickly it's like, oh, but she's actually kind of fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, and like I think, at, exactly. in a way that Parks and Rec doesn't. Parks and Rec is kind oh, of like yeah. you know, and then she meets Andy, and then she opens up. But you know, hey, everything's gonna be fine. Whereas this movie's like, no, she's a mess, and she's a mess because of a very specific thing that happens in her past. Right, that she is aware of, and she wants to undo.
0: Yes, the I guess the problem with the movie, such as it is, I mean, and there are a lot of problems. And this was a problem that I thought was inherent in the script. Is it. Honest to God, literally tells you in the first two minutes what that it what that yeah, is. Yeah, it's,
1: it's a bit early.
0: Yeah, it's way too early. So, in the course of doing that, I don't know if that's something that they did after screen testing because you know what's going on with her, you don't have any reason to get drawn in by her character.
1: Well, the other problem is she then later in the film actually explains it. Yes, and that scene has so much less.
0: Yes. Because empathy. you already because know. You know exactly, yeah. exactly. So part of the problem with with the movie, and this is part of the problem that I think with the performances overall, is everyone essentially, uh, despite the the movement that's supposed to be happening in the script, where you you know a character moves from one point to another point, or your understanding of a character moves from one point to another point, you pretty much start the movie knowing who those people are, mm-hmm. and they essentially continue to remain that way for the entire movie in in terms well, of their performance and, and what you know about them. In terms of
1: performance, yes.
0: Yeah. But
1: in terms of character arc, I think that both the reporter and the time-traveling guy have a clear character
0: arc. Yes. they. It's a clear character arc on paper. The problem is the way their performances are. I don't... And in fact, the reporter is the one who comes the closest to sort of changing, and yes. there's some... some Great scenes with him. But on the other hand, the scene where he pretty much is dealing with putting himself out there and opening it up and what feels happens. Feels
1: really weird.
0: Yeah, completely does. It
1: feels like an outtake.
0: Uh-huh. It really does. Because they just didn't, they didn't nail it. So, and the, and the director kind of didn't know, is my theory. Or else they literally didn't nail it and they didn't have the money to go back on it. There's a couple of, there's some lovely shots in this movie that I think were set up by a very talented second assistant director. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stuff in the movie that is just sort of clumsily handled like someone yeah. who hasn't had a lot of experience making yeah. movies. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very, it's funny though. It was, it was like I was saying, I I
1: liked, I liked it a lot more last night. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that you like because it, you're like oh, on an emotional level. Oh. Right, exactly. And then the next day, when you think about it, you're like, oh, but but I had problems with this, this, and this, and this, and this. Yeah. Oh wait, I guess I didn't like it.
0: Yeah, it's it. It's one of those movies where, because uh, of course you know, it's Edie and Graham and Kate McMillan, and we had went and got a lovely dinner beforehand, and the movie itself is pleasant, and Aubrey Plaza looks fantastic, and she runs her she runs like a Miyazaki character in an anime, but. <laughs>
1: But, I feel like we're getting to like a really weird specific fetish yeah uh,
0: don't look for my tumblr about that uh, but 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 it's not but it's not a good movie it's kind of a good enough movie In that yeah that's the thing it, yeah. it is it's a good enough movie it's yeah. a
1: movie that it's really weird it's a movie that if you saw it with absolutely no fanfare at all mm-hmm. but you're at some sort of like film festival right and you saw it you'd be like that was really nice yeah I like that yeah but there's some sort of it's just not good enough to be widely released yeah exactly
0: no exactly it's not good enough to be widely released it's not it really yeah i call it a good enough movie but it's not what it is is it is so here comes a delightful double negative for you it is so not unpleasant that you sort of end up enjoying yourself yeah you know but in terms of it any number of other things it's kind of a it's 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 yeah, it's kind of crap. How did we start talking about it, though? What was the uh, point?
1: I can't even remember anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's, uh,
1: there's, there's your th-
0: movie review that's not quite comic related.
1: Hey, let's stay off comics for a second. Jeff Lester, have you been to the Waffle Window during your trip? Because you know that people want to
0: hear this. Excuse me, I had to. I was a little emotionally caught up there by the moment. <laughs> So, listeners, I will not lie, we got in very late on Sunday. Today is the first day, uh, and it's been three days, where I have not been to the waffle window. And I think we're probably going to go later on today uh, before I I leave this neighborhood. But yesterday, (laughs) listeners, bore waffles. No one cut me off. It was glorious. Now, the trick there was probably we got them to go to bring back to the McMillans. I
1: know, so you said, they're not for me. I did.
0: I was like, excuse me, I want to order waffles for many people back at a place. And that seemed to really, they're, <laughs> they're not so smart. So, uh, and then. Oh, seriously?
1: You've completely, completely ruined the sponsorship deal that we could
0: possibly get oh, with them Hey, <sighs> Listeners. Jeff, yeah, I don't Jeff. think that was going to happen. I just don't think that was going to happen. Anyway, besides, they cut me off. The, anyway, then Monday, <laughs> three waffles? Did I have three? You had three. I had three. And, every, Wait, and Did
1: you or did you just have
0: two? I am, I'm trying to think. I think I, think I had... I, did I just... No, I had two and I got one to go. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, so I had three. I would have stuck around. No one else wanted to stay with me. Honestly, everyone else was...
1: Well, here's the thing, Jeff. You have the waffle and the waffle's great. Yes. Unless you're you, you have the waffle and the waffle's great and you're full.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't understand how waffle windows... Uh, waffles work for me, but they're so good I am not... I I literally would, I think I would just eat until I pass out because I am thing, not hu- hungry. It's, I, I mean, I I'm used, not full.
1: I used to get um, the plain waffle
0: uh-huh. with nothing on it, mm-hmm. and I could
1: handle like maybe one and a half. Of
0: those, those are great. I had two of those yesterday,
1: but I could handle like one and a half of those.
0: Right, in one setting. I, yeah, like
1: the idea of getting that with the topping. Right, I could not do two of those.
0: Yeah, well, it it admittedly as long as one of them is plain, which was fantastic. Although, let me tell you, guys. I got the chocolate covered waffle yesterday and they sell them frozen. And the woman recommended I eat it frozen. And let's, I'll be honest, delicious. Uh, But even better is you get the, you don't, if you get it heated, it melts the dark chocolate covering. And I'm not a fan of that. If you just get a frozen one and let it sit out for two or three hours and hit that for an afternoon snack, I might get two or three of those to go when. And just like stick them in the car while you drive up. Exactly. And, and I think that might actually be the perfect snack on the way back. So... So,
1: have you run into the woman who cut you off? Was she, was she working the second She day? She is not. She's day? not. Although, I have Maybe to admit... Maybe she's gone. Maybe
0: she's not working there Or anymore. she's over at the other waffle window, because they now have two locations, and that's the other thing I have to do before I leave, is check out the second location. You're, you'll are you be way ahead of me. I've
1: still not checked out the second location. I, I just can't... Well,
0: why should you? It's only two blocks... The first that's one's true. two yeah, blocks yeah, away. Yeah, unless exactly. there's... It's not like,
1: I want to go into the northeast and exactly. go all the way to Yeah.
0: Maybe maybe I owe it to the listeners, Jeff. Maybe you do. Maybe we gotta get pictures before you go. We'll get you out there.
1: <laughs> I'm not going because I stay in Portland. I don't go.
0: I, this is where I, I mean, I'm go. Like. Sorry, go up to the... Okay. Yeah, sorry. No, no, no. no. Before, like, this is my house. No, 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 no. You're coming with us back to San Francisco, Graham. It's an exchange program type thing. i wait, sorry. You yeah, exactly. totally misunderstood Who's that. Who's getting exchanged? I, I don't know. Maybe Edie will stay here with Kate. Uh, <laughs> that might work well for them, I think. Well, we should see. Here's the other thing that's hilarious, listeners, is that uh, because we're recording this on Wednesday, not Thursday.
1: We've literally not been to the store.
0: No, in fact, I I was sort of briefly looking over the list, going, "Oh my god, a lot of great comics came out today."
1: There... I... I I was looking at the list and being like, "Well, oh, there's Batman, I guess, and there's, but what else is there?"
0: Hmm. Excuse me. Well, okay, so it's Batman
1: Incorporated. Actually, that's not true. In right. terms of like pricey comics, there's great stuff. Glorian yes. is out today.
0: Oh yeah, the Kevin Usenko, yeah, yeah. which I is the that was, I could have sworn that was out last reprint. week.
1: Uh, maybe unofficially I,
0: yeah I think I saw that on the shelf at Comics Experience last week but maybe I'm wrong and
1: you didn't buy it well because I have really, the first really one really... I know you're super excited but it's a reworked that? one Isn't it you un- said it was and yeah. so
0: I was just because I've wondering. read it I've read both versions of it so far right and you're on to the third oh yeah oh see there we go oh
1: Glorian is one of my favorite comics yeah
0: I think it's just
1: uh, it's one of those technically perfect comics that completely works for me on an emotional level
0: interesting interesting I, I, of course, love Kevin Uzinga's work, and for some reason, from what I remember, Gloriana is not that comic for me,
1: although... Oh, it's very different from, like, Ganges. Yeah, and
0: I think that's it, whereas, like... Ganges
1: is very much uh, character-based, whereas Gloriana is... Gloriana's the one where it's like, and then everything unfolds, and the comic literally unfolds, yes. and you're like, holy shit. Yeah. Talking about that... Yes. Have you heard about the new Chris Weir that's coming in September? building stories that is a box with multiple editions in it, yes. including, like, big fold-out stuff? Right,
0: right, right, where you can actually construct stuff, right? Yes. Yeah, which is a- astonishing sounding.
1: Uh-huh. No, I was reading the, the solicit for it, and the solicit is basically, you know, this is unlike anything that has ever appeared in the medium before. And I was like, sure, whatever, yeah. Right. And then I read what it was, and I was like, oh, this this could be amazing. It could also be insufferable. Yeah. It it could be Chris Ware going. To, I was about like, to say Chris Ware. Chris Weir
0: conundrum. Yeah, yeah.
1: It, it could be like technically perfect and yet the work of someone who you know, right? Closes himself in his office every day and weeps and then like, <laughs> and then I will unfold this. I I, I totally see Chris Ware being that guy. Do you not? Know? I uh,
0: I don't know. You know, uh, I can see how people can see him that way, but a I don't, and b I've encountered enough like seen him talking and stuff. He he actually is sort of incredibly funny uh, in a way that he doesn't He doesn't manage to pass on in his work? <laughs> well, that he that he chooses to subdue. He definitely chooses to focus on other things. I mean, there's definitely, the same way that you've got a number of, of artists and authors who are, you know, kind of in that sort of Dave Eggers mold, yeah. who can be very, very funny but Feel that that is less important than being sincere. Yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's very important to be earnest. Yeah. which really upsets me about Dave Eggers because I think Dave Eggers can be really funny, yeah. but I find sincere Dave Eggers to be a massive turnoff. Yeah, and it's always a shame when he's like, My new book is an 850 word treatise about why teachers in America are ill treated. Yes, and you're like, Oh, probably not a lot of laughs at that one then.
0: Well, actually, okay. it would be a lot of laughs because you said 850 words. So that would, <laughs> that would be it's rad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then you can construct them into your own little school. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, it's true. He does a lot of the important stuff. But, yeah, it is frustrating that traditionally a lot of, a lot of creative people it's Allen,
1: it's yeah, Allen all separate, over
0: the, separate the funny out, and it does a huge disservice, I think, to the work overall. You know? But I think that's a, a self-consciousness about being a comedian. Do you not think that you you get to that
1: point where you're either like I'm okay being a comedian or these people aren't taking my important ideas seriously because I'm wrapping them up in comedy. I know I'll get rid of the comedy.
0: Yeah, I I think that I think what happens is that <sighs> for for me I um I was talking about the wire actually at lunch uh, with Shana Gore, who does not listen. But I'm saying hello to.
1: I'd like to point out, listeners, that when Jeff says I'm saying hello to, he means that because when he said Sean Gore, he waved at the microphone. I I did. I kind of I do kind of wish that people could see your movements when you're doing this podcast because you are very you are as if you're talking to a person and that person just happens to be the
0: microphone. Oh well, you know I, I think mean? that's because I'm too self conscious looking at you directly to do that, but. <laughs> I'm tra- I'm I'm trying to do I I I'm the
1: entire podcast. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'm being like, which is hilarious because Graham, as we all know, sounds like a great, wonderful person. That's hilarious. You sort of look like Teller from Penn and Teller. Oh right? God, really? No. Oh, that's the end of it. Which one is the is the is the is the, the quiet comedic foil? That's Teller. Yeah. You kind of had that going on there for a minute. Oh, I mean, oh, no, only no. when Only when trying to do that Alec oh, wait, Baldwin wait, but, and Glenn Gary Glenn Yes? C-
1: to continue down this digression, because <laughs> um, you said Penn and Teller, I remembered that uh, my wife, Kate was listening to episodes of this and pointed out that you and I follow the classic double-act structure of Bert and Ernie.
0: Yes, exactly. So we should
1: really, you know... Yeah. Uh, apparently, was I... You are. I'm Ernie.
0: Yes, and, and I'm Bert. Bert. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and, and also
1: I'm, in The Odd Couple... You're Felix and I'm Oscar.
0: Apparently. Which doesn't make much sense to me because I only have experience with the TV show where Jack Klugman was Oscar and was much grouchier. You know what I mean? Like yeah, he you're squab yeah, quincying You're
1: like swap quincying it up?
0: Yeah, well, you know, Quincy. You know. Oh, I hated Quincy. Ba, 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 ba. It was horrible. I mean, that was I, I, not a good job. Quincy
1: was always rerun um, mm-hmm. on the afternoons, right. weekday afternoons. When I was like in in school, isn't that terrible? And so you'd be sick, right? And because like it's Britain in you know the early eighties, you'd be like, well, I'm going to watch television because I'm sick, right? Like I am at home. There is no internet. Television. This you is know, awesome. This is yeah. Uh, I'm going to watch television, and, it's and the at that point there's like two channels on yeah. during the afternoon, and it was you know something some terrible magazine program about you know. And here's how you can knit. Yeah. Or Quincy.
0: Yeah. That's and so I the really to
1: hate Quincy. Yeah.
0: It, it always happens because this is the thing. TV people are not dumb. Kids are not your target audience at one o'clock in the afternoon. Old retired but people it was on are. The BBC. Yeah, but it's old retired people, Graham. When I was growing up, it was a different generation and it was fucking Barnaby Jones or like Gunsmoke, where everyone in Gunsmoke, by the time the TV series was coming to a close, were like 108. It was the world's most pathetic western. So, you know, it, that's just the thing. It's not it, it's not designed to... we were we had that brief shiny moment where there was a half season of Hogan's Heroes and we were like, hooray, comical Nazis, and then it was right back wah, to wah. Yeah.
1: Uh, okay, wait, getting back. So before we did the other couple, before we did Bert and Ernie, we were talking about Ben and we're talking, talking about eye contact.
0: Yes. So yes. right. So we were talking about Sean Gore. Jimmy. Yes, Sean Gore, and then I waved, and the wire is entertaining though, we think that the wire, of course, is an amazing show, and one of the things that's great about it is it remembers to entertain you and then it begins the process of sort of rewriting your mind. Like, there is yeah, no is, more but that's the way to do it, yes, exactly. Have you read? I must have said this to you before. Have you read
1: the manual, the the Bill Drummond's book about making a, a pop record in the 1980s?
0: No, you've not told me this is oh, not something okay. So, said Bill to
1: me. Drummond yeah. uh, was the first manager of Echo and the Bunny Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he also managed to Teardrop Explodes, but I could be getting that wrong. Um, he then went on to form the KLF.
0: Uh-huh. Oh,
1: yes. And when in the KLF,
0: uh-huh.
1: uh, that's when he and his partner in KLF, Jimmy Cotty, wrote this book called The Manual,
0: mm.
1: which is, the subtitle is How to Have a Number One The Easy Way. Mm. And it's literally a breakdown of this is how you have a hit record in Bonnevorshire 1988. Right. Okay. And there, I mean, it's completely, it's like you, ha- your BPM is 145. Wow. You have, you know, you have an attractive singer, but she can't be too attractive. Mm-hmm. She has to be attractive like someone who works in the supermarket is attractive. Mm. And she has to have a name that is completely non-exotic. Interesting. She has, like, they completely break it down. Wow. But the start of it, they're, Like they're, Echo or, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Like, S- Sonia is the one they go for. They're like, Sonia, Sonia's a great name. Ah,
0: love that.
1: Um, but they, they really early on they make a point about you know you can be popular or you can be good essentially right, and they're like the, the thing I always remember is uh, no one wants to tune in at seven o'clock and uh, a Thursday evening to see uh, Jesus, the Gs and Mary Jane's acne problems, <laughs> which I think is a great way of putting it. you do have to entertain like right. you it's it's part of your responsibility, yeah.
0: Well, and so that's it. I think because it's the responsibility, because it's the thing that you have to do, a it, it becomes associated with pandering. I think when you create a piece of art, you know, and so it's the first thing you try and throw aside. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just there are people who, you know, I was I ran very hot and cold with the second season of Louis, you know, Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. show yeah, on yeah. FX because it, it tried in so many ways to be more important. I mean, thank God he could also be hilarious, and he sort of knew that he had to be at various yeah, points. Yeah, I'm kind of looking forward to the new season to see if that continues because yeah. I think
1: if the problem was—and I suspect it was—he mm-hmm. listened to his own press. Mm-hmm. That press got so much louder in the second season. Yeah,
0: that's what I'm sort of people were about really too. like. This is the most important sitcom ever made ever. Yeah,
1: and if he believed that, right, right. then the third season might be horrifically unwatchable.
0: Yeah. That's kind of that's kind of what I'm worried about. There's not really a lot of shows necessarily that sort of manage i mean there there are some that can be unbelievably subversive by by being absurdly important while remaining entertaining like I'm shocked by how when Venture Brothers gets its groove on, it really it has things to say and it has things that it wants to say and arguably very meaningful things about family that it wants to say while absolutely. Taking the piss, I guess. Yes. You know what I
1: mean? But I think that's, I think there's also, I think Venture Brothers does it in the flip of what you're talking about. Right. I think Venture Brothers, and again, this is completely creative mind reading. Mm -hmm. I think that the creators of that are so self-conscious about wanting to say something important
0: Mm.
1: that they're like, we have to make it funny.
0: Right. Do you well, know what I mean maybe or or it's just sort of the uh it's kind of what happened with the first few seasons of South Park I think where it's like the idea is yeah to take your take your important thing and tell it in the most absurd way possible such that the fact that you're even trying to say an important thing is kind of part of the joke which may yeah. be just restating what you're saying but um you know that it, it is one of those things where actually I guess with South Park that was something that they were as much making fun of the structure of the idea that they're like oh but we can be meaningful and have an awe ah yeah. moment. Yeah. Whereas I do think that the Venture Brothers again the stuff that blows my mind in that show is the way they get to the most twisted place of being able to say something about as one of my friends summed it up about failure, you know. Oh yeah, Venture Brothers is actually spectacularly good when
1: in, in terms of writing about a very masculine failure as well. Oh yeah, very much so.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's
1: really—it's an incredibly good deconstruction of American masculinity. Yeah. But I think if you said that to them, they'd make a joke about it. Of course. Does that make sense? Like right, right, they'd, right, They'd be like, "Oh, whatever." Crazy right, guy. or or
0: if they if they're like, "Absolutely, that's why we have the the next that, season of our show is when you know Brock Sampson gets turned into an enormous man eating penis." you know, that breaks through the venture compound and has to be killed via, I don't know, drum circles or, you know, whatever yeah, it is yeah. that they're deciding that they're going to piss up about it. But, but yeah, but, but they is, clearly are. It's, it's, it's
1: incredibly... Yeah. It has a lot to say about it as well. It's mm-hmm. not just that, you know, hey, try and be mad you and it will fuck you up. It's very particular. Yeah. This is how it will do it. Yes. And these are all the things that you got fed as a kid mm-hmm. that fed into that idea that created that myth.
0: Yeah. And, and how that fucked you up. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's brilliant at that. It really is. Yeah. Um, so that's been off for a really long time. Hasn't it? I see. I'm still, guess, catching you're, you're up. still catching up. I was so, about to yeah. say, I'm like, dude, I'm still, I'm still a few episodes into season three, but oh, you, oh you've got a, you've got a while ago. So speaking of masculine, idols that fuck you up
1: oh look you're actually getting to a comic yes <laughs> hey jeff's holding up a comic because everyone at home can hear that um batman <laughs> earth one is, yes i think i said this the last podcast i got sent a copy and i really liked it uh, it's by jeff Jones and gary frank i can tell because jeff is now pointing out their names um jeff has dragged the preview copy since he's been here yes and jeff did not like it as much as i did
0: yeah. Uh, well, it's funny. It's one of those situations where Graham had a couple of, of preview copies for me to read uh, while I was here as a as a guest at Stately Macmillan Mansion. That's what I do when people come here. I'm like, this comic is no jazz. Maybe you'd like to read it. <laughs> it's true. And it was great. It was a great experience. To I, be that's able where to do
1: that. I didn't like either of them.
0: I did not, but I was so glad to have <laughs> read them. It's
1: like, hey, Jeff, read something you would like.
0: Right. Exactly. <laughs> Indeed.
1: Later on... I'll cut you open and pour salt in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and I feel like a gracious guest, too, by being, thank you, Graham, I will take this, gu- this gift and proceed to spit on it. So, Batman Year One, you described it as, and I think this was a great way to describe it, uh, A essentially, a, it makes a, a lot of really smart choices in rebooting the Batman mythos, such that if they were to make it into the the movie, the, yeah. yeah, the new Batman movie, like if they were to, God help them, do a reboot further on down the line, which I, I'm, I could they they almost will, see will. them yeah. doing after this Nolan thing happens, uh, to do it like this, and and it really has that element of Jeff Johns sitting there having enough time with his deadlines to actually think things through and represent sort of the batman origin with some very specific ideas as to how to streamline things to make yeah. it more efficient
1: and how to bring in other parts of the batman mythos to make them more central right like it is because it's not out for a month or so and i don't there's things i is it don't a month?
0: To say oh okay i thought it was out this week i was like is oh it, you get to talk I, about it no I you should sure. look at look at the shipping list and check it out okay. So I
1: was yeah, I think it's, it's a, I high. think it's it, it's one of those ones that they send you really early because they're like it's a hardcover. We actually got
0: copies early. Oh, interesting because they July tenth,
1: so it's out it's out, uh, a couple weeks from now. Oh, two, okay, two
0: weeks from now. So if I put it up next week, it will still be a week ahead.
1: Hey, it right. will be a week ahead. That's awesome for us. We're yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Hey, by the time you're listening to this, you can run out next Wednesday and buy it or not, depending yeah. on who you who you who realize. you listen to.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Well, uh no, but what I was going to say is because it's not mm-hmm. a spoiler. um he brings Arkham Asylum into the core mythos in a way that isn't just, hey, it's the crazy it's the crazy lunatic asylum. Yes. Um, which I thought was, it's just this lovely, elegant thing that doesn't really change anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's but, absolutely one of the best things. Uh, that is one of the things, that you pointed that out, and I'm like, oh, that should be nice. And sure enough, it's a brilliant way to do it. Yeah. Um, and yet, I still have the disagreement going on, which is kind of amazing. Uh, it, which is... So, okay. Uh, so the here's great, the thing. This is going by, to sound. What are you doing, Jeffries? Right. Exactly. So here's the thing, which is is going to drive us crazy. And I think the best way to be able to talk about it in a spoiler-free way is exactly what Graham is saying: is when when the book works well, it smoothly and seamlessly ties things together and gives a reason for why that thing exists in the Batman mythos, as it were. Mm. My problem, as I thought about it, separate and apart from a bunch of execution issues that uh, maybe we'll have to revisit when the book actually comes out so we're not spoiling it like crazy and or um, pissing off DC reps, is, for me, the idea of... um, Something that, to me, really sticks as the core of the Batman mythos that I've been thinking about for a couple of years is the idea of... The, the classic archetypal, yes, father, I will become a bat speech. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's, you know, they, they present it in the Bob Kane one. Frank Miller brilliantly takes it and uses it with David Musch- Mezzocelli yes. in Batman Year One. Yes. Where he's sitting there and contemplating how essentially to make criminals fear him. Yes. And he says, in both versions, yes, father, I will become a bat. Or, or I think it just might be, that's it, I will become a bat. I think it's it's different in the Bob Kane version. I, honestly, the Bob Kane version just had him going, a bat. Yeah, maybe that's it. No, I, I think that, he does do say, I will become a bat. Maybe, okay. maybe I, not. I, I could I, be I wrong.
1: Yeah, I could have sworn he, the, there's a picture that's just the, the bat flying in the window, and he's like, well, a bat. Isn't.
0: No, I think it is, that's it, I will become a bat. We okay. should you, you should maybe Google reference it, because it's got to be a famous panel. And we'll find out, as usual, that I am wrong. But... So here's the thing that's very weird that a lot of people may or may not agree with is that Batman, in the course of deciding to become Batman, changes everything. And I find that's a very resonant thing since he's one of the earliest superheroes. But there's a lot of people, and this is something that Miller also revisits, the idea that by Batman becoming Batman, Gotham City becomes Gotham City if you see what I'm saying. Yeah. The the, the, the super villains that follow in his wake. Oh, a bat. That's it. It's an omen. I shall become a bat. Okay. To me, the emphasis is very much on I shall become a bat. Yeah. And that not, I mean, it's an elegant way. But in the, yeah. It's an elegant way of saying I will dress up as a bat. But he's really, by saying that he will become a bat, there's something weirdly transformative about Batman that I think ends up being resonant not only is the concept of of ambition becoming self-creation an important key to his mythos because as we know he goes on to then become the best at everything and then becomes batman but in a way all of the other villains uh in the batman mythos are characters that play characters that become things so to speak yes. so the riddler joker most of his classic rogues gallery there isn't there is an essence of transformation and i, I think this is something that neil gaiman might have written about way back in his little piece about the riddler way back when yeah um it is that idea that you know the there's a there there's this weird transformative an inspirational aspect and so for me, I guess what I'm saying is, is that... It, so it's Batman and it radiates outwards. Sure. And the problem is when you recreate these things to make sense, it's everything radiating inwards, if you know what I'm saying. But w- you think that's the case in Earth-1?
1: Because I can, I can yes. semi-see the case, but I also think what you're describing is also very present.
0: Right. I think
1: in Earth-1, what they have is there is this situation. Mm-hmm. And Bruce Wayne's decision to become Batman becomes a rating change that is not truly felt until, really, the end of the book. Because Batman as Batman, as we recognize him, does not really come come about until the last third of
0: the book. Yes.
1: And so, the one... There's two things, I think, that you cannot ascribe to Bruce Wayne deciding to become Batman Mm -hmm. in the book. One is Gotham as corrupt location right and a, and a location that corrupts everyone right that, that it's not just that like it's full of corrupt cops it's that cops become corrupt by being there yes um which is a lovely moment in the end
0: yeah yeah i
1: yeah. I, I love you know exactly what i'm yes, talking I about do. i can't say for for fear of spoiling it but right. there is a an explicit reference in the
0: text to that yeah and and this is it i do and this is my problem in batman year one either with the exception of Batman or in addition to him, depending on how you see it, an element of tragedy, a, a moment of tragedy and terror mm-hmm. ends up destroying everybody. I mean, you know, it destroys that person that you're talking about. Yeah. But also the the, the quote-unquote villain, you mm-hmm. know, who is kind of, I thought was sort of exceptionally ludicrous. I can see how Jeff Johns... Came to choose this yes. villain that he does because he is literally the he is a mirror image of Batman,
1: but also it's a very Jonesian villain and it's a very Jonesian
0: origin for the villain. Exactly, exactly, and I think that's the thing that bothers me is as <laughs> much as I enjoy how elegant Johns can be, he's essentially turning the Batman story into a Jeff Johns story. Well, he... which has a to me a very different conception and motivation behind it yes you know and
1: I, I can totally see that mm-hmm. part of me is like but Jeff it's a
0: story written by Jeff Jones. sure absolutely you know what I mean Like,
1: I, I feel like you have to cut him some slack well sure I
0: and, and uh, admittedly because that's it, what you're I, signing up for and the
1: other thing is I think in a weird way the villain mm-hmm. is the least important part of Earth 1
0: Ye-
1: the villain almost feels like a MacGuffin
0: yes because no, the book exactly. is not
1: really I mean The plot is theoretically about the villain in that it all leads up to the discovery of the villain and the showdown of the villain. Right. the book is not about the villain at all. No. In any way whatsoever. Agreed. Agreed. The villain is literally the least important character of the story.
0: Right. Uh, Agreed. And it's more the way that he reflects again, these motifs and themes that yeah. Johns cares about that is a, sort of a su- source of frustration for me. He it, Johns is like, here's how I put everybody in motion. Here's how I put these things in play. And there are ways in which, again, the the parts that I'd hoped was, I hoped that Johns would take his tenets, his ability to streamline and make elegant, but still sort of push that toward what I think of as a Batman story. And I think what he thinks he's created here is something very close to you know a kind of clever batman animated series like here's how how all these characters are here's how they fit here's how they're going to move in motion but unfortunately for me i I, uh the the yeah that johnsian element of um something happens to you and it fucks you up it fucks everyone up and there's no sort of escaping the fucking of it and yeah
1: but that's not what he's doing because the entire point no but the entire point of batman is the opposite of that it fucks you up, but there is a way of escaping it. Right. It fucks you up, but you there is a coping mechanism, and that coping mechanism can not only take you past the fucking up, but can make you a better person than you would have been without the thing that fucked you up. And so that is present all through the book. It's present in Bruce Wayne, it's present in Gordon.
0: Uh-huh. Well, and it's Well in Barbara Gordon. I see, and this is and this is where this is my big problem because the Gordon and the Barbara Gordon, neither of those felt resonant to me like that oh, idea where, that it transformed they, whereas in. they did for me okay because i was i for me i was like uh no where's the one with the one character that we're talking about yeah with with a really nice payoff i did believe it and so this is right, this, that's funny because the,
1: the final scene with that character mm-hmm. did not pay off for me it it was like that's too much yeah you could've, you could've exactly not had that scene and it would you would have had exactly the same impact right. and it felt too much like did you get it yeah it's well did, it's, no it, it was a
0: little too on the nose but at least i guess for whatever reason it it just seemed more of a piece i don't know but, and part, it's part, of,
1: part of me also thinks that one of earth one's failures for you mm-hmm. is that it doesn't fit your idea of a batman story could be i mean it could and i be. and that's one of those times where i'm like i don't know if that's a feeling
0: mm, interesting you know it's like
1: right. it's, for example um spider-man mm-hmm Dance Lost Amazing Spider-Man. Right. I like a lot. Mm-hmm. There's moments where it is so amazing, like, like 180 away from what I think Spider-Man should be. Right. And that's where I'm like, oh, I'm dissatisfied with that story. Right. But it's completely based on my prejudice of who Spider-Man is. Sure. Does that make sense?
0: Yes. And, yeah.
1: I, and I, think, I think you're experiencing that with Earth One. I think, I think what you're getting is, I thought I was going to get a Batman story and I got a Jeff Johns story.
0: Right uh yeah i guess that that is true and that's that's a good point i i think my thing is and i could be wrong and it'll probably be something that we'll have to revisit once the book's actually out and we can talk about it more but it seems to me if you were to take a survey you know family feud style of the top seven elements that make up batman you know especially the two once you cover like you know the, the costume yeah the <laughs> costume in the Batcave which I was going to say like the Batmobile which I don't even think is in this book for example um, when you get to those traits like I'm sort of like uh, my problem with this is that it felt like although it was sensible it seemed unambitious Batman Earth 1 like when you're like yeah it'd be a really sensible movie to remake it When I was when I was reading it I was like this is my problem is it's a it's a very sensible, not afraid to take risks, low budget movie that would be hilarious when it's misdirected by Wes Craven. And that was it. Batman B- Batman: Earth One really did feel to me like a bad Wes Craven movie, honestly, more than any kind of other element that would have made it, I guess, a, 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 to me, a good Batman story. I could see elements of it that were great, but by Johns' very sensible stripping of things that i think are kind of weirdly transcendent to batman it ends up being entirely too safe and then somehow weirdly becomes more ludicrous than if you actually swing for those fences you know i i i totally disagree yeah i yeah. just i don't get that it's I, and
1: part of me is like why Craven? What? Well,
0: part of it is what? that villain that we talked about. Like, there's a couple of the scenes of the, the reveals the, the, with yeah, him that the are villain is, the villain ludicrous. Is, yeah. You know? Yes. I mean, let's face it. That one image, when you get the first image oh, yeah, of no, it, no. is absurd. And there are other moments, unfortunately, that look like they're going to go great and become too hammy and absurd. And for whatever reason, I don't know why, I don't know if it's some weird flashback to the first Swamp Thing movie, but I was just like yeah this is ludicrous this is the way that you do it in a way that makes sense on paper when it actually gets done as a movie though it, it, it ends up being silly
1: yeah I'm, I'm I'm on the other end of the spectrum with that one. I, I really do think it's a very good one
0: okay we're going to pause for a second
1: hello sweetheart wow yeah <laughs> wow
0: this How would be great know? if you leave this in <laughs> yeah actually I should probably pause it yes okay are we back we are back
1: okay Hi everyone, we're back Um, We took a break so that Jeff and I could wrestle over who is right about Batman Earth 1 Turns
0: out that Jeff's really, really good at wrestling Yeah, and yet somehow Graham still won because he cheats So I'm slippery (laughs) You are, like an eel I am, they call me
1: the eel, Jeff Oh, God. It's all going horribly wrong already. I, hey, we talked about comics. That was awesome. It good was job good. job,
0: us. Yeah, maybe that's all we had. Well, do
1: you know what? You, yes. I was totally going to be like, Jeff, you should read this. And I even said it last week, and it did not happen. Yes. Zosser of Zilk. Yes, I did not read Zosser of Zilk. Oh, Zotter. okay. Sorry. I, I'm going to have to ensure that happens. Uh, yeah. So that we can talk about it next week. Exactly. Because David Brothers had a, um, a possible suggestion as to why I was connecting the, that and Casanova. Oh. He said, I think the connection you have between Cast and Zilk is that both are seen as transcendent and resonant works by their fan base. Yeah. And I think that's true. And I, I, I think there's... And here's me adding my own weirdness to it. Right. I think there's a glam rock component in there for me as well. I think that both are weirdly mm-hmm. resonant of glam rock. I could see Does that, that make sense? Well, like both, honestly... More of a weird like David Bowie thing. Sure. Probably.
0: I was about to say, for, for, I, I, not having read Zosser of Zilk, but Brendan McCarthy is... It's always seemed, like, glam to me. Yes. In that, in that regard. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense with Casanova, too, I think. So, so. yeah. So both are the, the David Bowie comics
1: for me. But one works and one didn't. And I'd have to say, listeners, I'm so beyond happy that I was not alone in disliking Casanova. I, I'm not joking. I was even said this to Jeff before I went live. I was like, I'm fully prepared for everyone in the comments just to be like, are you insane? Yes. And the fact that people are agreeing with me is one of those oh, I love you all.
0: Yes. Moments It really was. Whereas I, I have sworn vengeance on you all. So you know, there we go. So it seems normal perfectly. then. Yeah, yeah it <laughs> <seems>. <laughs> no,
1: N- Nothing different.
0: Yeah. Uh, any Any comic news
1: we should talk about? I, I we, Jeff. Are, is there any comic news? Come on. Spider Man has a teenage sidekick.
0: Oh yes. Let's talk about that. What's his name again? The. His Urge? name's Alpha. Oh, Alpha. The urge. Where did that they come don't from? know.
1: That's awesome. Though. I well, totally buy right. a comic called Spider Man and the Urge. And the urge. And each each issue could be like to kill.
0: <laughs> exactly. To save. To maim.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There,
0: that, there's a miniseries. Right yeah. Well, if they ever let Pat Mills write Amazing Spider Man, we'll
1: have. Because you totally know that at some point, like Alpha is going to go
0: rogue. Yeah. It seems. It seems likely. I mean, it as just, as we were feels... saying, rogue and, and or die. You know, in a way, I think that, it's
1: rogue. Yeah, I think it's rogue that will lead to his death, perhaps. Maybe, but I, th- I think it's rogue. I, th- I think he's good because yeah, there, there's a way. It just seems there's something of... in the, in the, one of the interviews where they're like, "Hey, teenagers today are different from when they were when Spider-Man was created. Now they answer back and they're not self conscious, which is one of those." No, teenagers have always been like that. It's different types of teenagers, you know. That
0: right moments, right, right. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's, it's really
1: funny. It's like crazy sweeping statement. It's like
0: nerds don't exist anymore. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, really? yeah, yeah,
1: really? I mean,
0: yeah. Well, just, although I mean, I sort of see what they're getting at in a I can way, kind of see it, but it also kind seems a, really uh, overly clumsy. Yeah, it does. Well, because it's yeah, because it's it's going to be forced to make the point, point. and also how do I put this? It's um, it's being created by jocks. It's not. It's
1: being created by nerd jocks. It's being created by the nerds who have
0: since won. Right. Exactly. The, the frat jocks. Yeah. No. Sorry. The frat nerds. Yeah. There we go. My my big problem with with it is is that it, you are essentially doing this like, hey, don't look behind the man at the man behind the the curtain, and then you're like going to be telling a story that is a puppet show arcing up over the curtain, you know what I mean? So to me, the idea of, like, you're giving Spider-Man a sidekick has this weird element of... Because we know that Peter Parker is not a teenager, and yet we're asking you to ignore the fact that he's 60 years old. You know what I mean? Like Because (laughs) it is that thing of, like, back when Peter Parker was Spider-Man and he was actually a teenager, Mm -hmm. was... In the early 60s, you know, and so even as it's changed, to me, there's like a very weird concept that it's like, okay, but no, but now that Peter is what, 27? 24? Yeah,
1: it's, it's something like 10 years, right? Yeah, so, it's, so it's like a sliding
0: 10 year scale. Yeah, so and that just seems that
1: just seems a lot of a lot happens in Marvel pop culture in 10 years. Yes, uh, yeah, basically, pretty <laughs> much. It it's like, hey, Madonna was really big for a year. <laughs> for 15 minutes and everyone still no, talks about it. It's, her. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like you know
0: lady gaga had
1: one song <laughs> <laughs> but that, i mean that's only way that sort of thing works you know yeah what i mean
0: yeah no it, well but exactly it, but it's and therefore it doesn't so to yeah, me exactly. the idea you, you of...
1: suddenly have a problem where you're like wait but you know how does this work like why uh, what yeah i don't know it, it, it feels like it's it's one of those things that DC do much less and Mm -hmm. also reboot all the time, which kind of undercuts it in a way. Right. Marvel always seems to try and wink at
0: the history of their characters. Right. Which which becomes becomes really problematic. If you've never rebooted in a way. So it, it does become this sort of, you know, Spider Man's this absurd, vast tapestry of a story that somehow gets super compressed into a couple of years. And so the idea that he has, like, a teen sidekick ends up being both. I was going to say sensible and
1: nonsensical at the same I don't time. Think, I don't get the sensible at all. I think the other thing that's really funny is it feels like they're celebrating Spider-Man's 50th anniversary by creating this character that underscores how entirely different Spider-Man is these days from the way that he right. was for 40 years. Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. And You I, know,
1: because, I mean, do you remember when Spider-Man would be like, hey, guys, and he'd cross his hands and be like, I'm not a joiner. Exactly. And these days it's like, not only is he a member of two teams,
0: he's also got a sidekick. Right. Right. Like, well, no, when does he have time to do anything else? Yes. Yes. Well, but I, this is the thing. As apart from the teams, I get the sidekick concept because it's going to be. It's a story. It's not. It, it's not well, a it's a 40. story, but it's also one of those classic, like it's a recommitment to stories. You know, recommitment to Spider-Man feeling responsible for someone some, for what happens to someone else, and that is what drives him to. To to be his spideyness. No, I know, and even recently, recently. yeah, with that when mm -hmm. when
1: Jonah's wife died, and he's like, nobody dies, and then it led to yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think there's that way of like, okay, well, we've got that, and so in theory, just as he progresses beyond that, or who knows, maybe, maybe, maybe we're playing into their hands, and it's actually leading to Spider Man growing beyond. Oh, seriously, mm -hmm. I so and blogged a
1: userama yesterday. Yeah i linked to i showed the images that this is war images have you seen these because this has been happening since you've been on vacation yeah no marvel has teaser images called this is war (laughs) and it's um captain america's shield splattered with blood thirst hammer in the ground shattered uh wolverine's hands on fire (laughs) iron man's iron man's helmet with bullet holes in it and blood coming down and tagline is this is war Uh and it's october and my blog out piece was like, "This is insane. This is the month after AVX finishes. Right, the very next month. Yeah, it's the same imagery as we always see. And I was about same, to say, it sounds like the, the fear same itself. Words. Yeah, and it's the same sense. word. It's mm-hmm. always war. Yeah. I was like, this is all pointless, and I'm like, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm rejecting it. I, sure, I, you've exhausted all the goodwill, and you've also exhausted what these images and these words mean now. Right." Do you know what I mean? Like, you've used them so often that they're meaningless. Right. It's the same thing as when you say a word over and over and over again, and eventually it doesn't sound like that word anymore. Right. It's exactly the same thing. Uh-huh. So I'm saying this, and lots of people are like, good job, Graham, hooray, and this guy comes into the comments, and I never read the comments. This is honestly like the first time I've read the comments of my own volition in months. Uh-huh. And this guy's like, you've just bought it. Like, you've been suckered into it. You're talking about them. They've got you. You're going to buy the books. And it's kind of like, no. What? what? <laughs> did, that... did you miss what I was saying? What? <laughs> um, but yeah, that that thing just... I can't get my head around it. I can't get my head that the month after Avengers vs. X-Men... Right. They are not... They're not taking the opportunity to launch everything
0: out on its own again yeah well because they they tried doing that in the heroic age and I don't think that they felt that it paid any dividends whatsoever but I'm
1: like if, if this really is another line-wide event which I'm
0: not sure it is no. being announced
1: at the Spider-Man panel it might just be a Spider-Man storyline
0: I well my theory is when you've got a character this is war and you actually see bullet holes and things I'm actually wondering if it's a Punisher event no because it's not bullet holes Wolverine, not...
1: Wolverine's on fire. Well, yeah, but well, he's going Thor's to have something. Thor's
0: on the ground. Punisher could take Thor. No, I don't know. <laughs> I, okay, Punisher maybe not. could take Thor. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah.
1: No, um, someone had the, the. I think it was David Mary was like, "It's the reckoning or storyline that Dan Slott's been talking about in his books for over a decade."
0: Oh, really?
1: Which makes sense. Spider Man. It's a, being announced at Spider Man panel.
0: Right. Spider Man 700s coming up. Ah, uh, I see. So, has he said anything else about what that's about? God bless you clever commentators where I'm like, oh, war? It's Punisher. He's going to get Human George's well, powers. Well, that's,
1: well, the whole thing is it, it could be a Punisher thing because it also, the solicit for the September issue of the Punisher mm-hmm. says something like get ready for the war zone. Oh. Uh, so, yeah. it, it really could be a Punisher story. Right. Um, but that would make me really sad. I told you that I read the, the first collection of,
0: the Pun- of Greg Ruckus' Punisher and was like,
1: huh, I actually like this.
0: Yeah, you said that, which was astonishing to me. Also astonishing, listeners, Graham was able to show me books that he's checked out from the Portland Library, and unless and the, they he's stuck, yeah, they're legit, unless he's stuck barcodes on them and did all that other stuff, they actually, he has a library system where they're like, we absolutely positively have to get essential Black Panther well, here, here's, here's, Pronto. here's you know the other know what thing I mean? that's
1: really funny. Jeff comes over when I have these books from the library, and of the four books, three of them are Black Panther books by accident. Yeah. like It's not like I was like, I'm in a Black Panther mood. Oh, I just have It to was kind of weird. It's books. like, oh, hey,
0: I know that Jeffrey likes Black Panther. Let me just go, oh, oops, here's three <laughs> titles that I'm reading now for free. But wow. it's Marvel books.
1: You wouldn't read them anyway. Although, yes. did I,
0: I have to say, I love the comment on
1: Savage Critic about, did you buy Casanova? That's published by Marvel.
0: Yeah. Did you see that? I did, I did. And I haven't had a chance to respond. But I think they were... At first it seemed like a crazy gotcha moment, but they did do the... Or is it the fact that because it's, you know, indie published? And I'm like, yes, that is the thing. For those listeners who are worried... I'm still staying away from Marvel, but I do feel that the icon titles, such as they are, and they appear to just be Casanova, I think, since Boot Baker's over at Image.
1: No, 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 no. Is friend. he doing Baptist something is for doing Icon?
0: A lot with it. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Takeo People that powers, I actually uh, now read, like if I was still reading Powers, I would still feel comfortable reading Powers through yeah. Icon in that sense. I hope you understand why in one part it's because those books would exist elsewhere if they weren't being there I did yeah exactly and um you know it arguably if nothing else it's supporting something that i do want to see from marvel which is create our own books so so in that sense, because they've existed elsewhere, it, it, it does, Marvel's more of a conduit. I don't really see it as, and I don't think Marvel does either, as something that enriches our coffers, except to the extent that it keeps certain creators happy that they, they wish to. So yeah, Casanova, but you won't really see, I guess if I was reading Powers or other Icon books. I was actually, that that when Brubaker announced that he was reading Captain America,
1: which we should also probably talk about.
0: Yeah, um, even though I haven't read the review still. I had the interview at uh, Comics Reporter. Which is a shame, because it's,
1: it's really... Like, you'll read it at some point in the next week, and then next week you'll be like, we have to talk about this interview, because, Jeff, yeah it is it is like Ed Brubaker was like, how can I do an interview that is the most Jeff Lester-friendly interview that, that has been ever written? <laughs> uh, no, so, I wish I had the time for it. I mean, on vacation. It's a thing. Yeah. It's really a thing. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned um, that. Anyway, when Brubaker... Brubaker was like, I'm leaving Captain America. Mm -hmm. Never mind the fact that he's not leaving Marvel, he's still doing Winter Soldier. Right. Um, People are like, well, is he still going to do Incognito through Icon? Are Icon going to let him do it if he's not one of their big writers? Which seems a really weird question, because Icon's still publishing Mark Miller books. Mark Miller has, like, openly been like, I'm not working on creator and titles anymore. Right, right. So I don't see why they would be like, well, actually, I do.
0: Yes, I do, too. Like, Nemesis sells a lot more than Incognito. Right. Nemesis sells a lot more than, than Spider Man <laughs> or Iron Man at this yeah, point. Yeah. You know. That, I mean that depending on what their cut of the action is, they're making perfectly decent money off of Hit Girl 2 without them really paying even enough attention to get it listed appropriately at the proper time for retailers.
1: I was actually fascinated to see there's a reading order in um, Hit Girl. Oh yeah? To explain the reading order for the kick ass series. Huh. Which does two fascinating things. One, it reveals that there's a part four and part five. Hmm. Like to the series at one point. Right. Secondly, it reveals that Hit Girl is the second part which you read before Kick Ass Two. two right? Which
0: has already come out. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I mean, it does let's put it this way. When I no, say that, listeners really? Well, in the sense that Mark Miller is trying to make money, yes. In the sense of the the story itself, no. But I think what he was doing was he very, I think, sensibly was like, well, you've got Kick-Ass and you've got Hit-Girl. I'm going to try taking Kick-Ass sort of to a different place with Hit-Girl in a different place um, and see if that's what people want. Yeah, and if that's not what people want, then I'm going to go back and I'm going to give them Hit-Girl 2, and it's going to be more, more of the same. And if that's what they want... Then that's where I'm going to go. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll, we'll see what happens with it, girl. But yes. um, but no, so I, I think that Icon, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Mm-hmm. Or even, as, for that matter, if Brubaker even wants to do more
0: incognito right. like, on criminal. Right.
1: Well, do you know what I mean? I, like, yes. Maybe he won. Maybe he'll be like, I'm going to stick with Patel.
0: He could he could. I think. I think. I don't necessarily know about Incognito. I have to say because I, I, I didn't inco- follow. The I think Incognito you know, might be done. Like just yeah, because I didn't in follow sense through. Like, yeah, exactly.
1: You know, it's terrible, but in the sense of, I think he actually just might yeah, be I think finished he with wrapped Incognito. It up. Yeah. yeah.
0: So uh, unless he decided that there was stuff he wanted to do in the Incognito verse, but I think I think he's going to be coming back to Criminal. I just think that with Fatal being placed over an Image, it would make more sense. And doing the very room. well. Yeah, he can move future criminal stuff over there. It, it's it's would, inherently modular. This is kind of
1: terrible. I would love it if he did, mm-hmm. just because there was something weird that rankled me when Cass and Powers both went to Marvel for an Image. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I was, I was kind of like, why don't you just stay at Image, right? You know, and so I I, I would kind of love it. If, well, if, and it, if, it if could not be the other direction. Do you right, know what I
0: mean, right. I I can see a situation in which what happened was. You know the exclusive cl- exclusivity contracts might have been those situations where at, at that stage where of it's the game, like,
1: and you do this through us. Yeah,
0: exactly. They were like, "Sorry, we talked to the li- the legal guys, and exclusivity means it has to be published by us." But hey, you know, and that's how things set up. I don't know, um, but I, I don't know. I'd be curious. My personal feeling is is that I don't feel like Marvel really puts their weight behind Icon.
1: Oh, they don't. Yeah, it's it's kind of
0: so. If you have the opportunity, why not publish an image? Image is currently at a point where it's, it's using some of its, you know, all of those Walking Dead dollars that it's sort of getting even indirectly, and putting a lot of that towards publicity and promotion, assuming that their year of the creator is going to continue on past this year. um, Then it would be the years of the creator, right? right? Exactly. You know, or, or they just come up with another the year of the comic. However well, it goes. But to be fair,
1: presuming that Image does not crash and burn at some point this year. Which I don't see why it would. Right. I also don't see why they wouldn't just continue with the same level of promotion.
0: Right, exactly. Exactly. I and I think they're going to do I think they're going to do that, knock on wood. I had theories, at least in the past when image has started to catch on fire from its own ambition and have to pull over by the side of the road and people jump out and fan the engine block Mm. until the flames go down is usually happened around at this stage of things. And I honestly feel that that is not the case this time around so far. And I think that's really promising. We'll see. (laughs) We will see.
1: Don't forget, Comic-Con is two weeks away. That's when things are going to go crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that is true. But I don't know. Yeah, we'll have a lot uh, could more be like announcements. Last year's Comic Con. Cover.
1: Remember last year's Comic Con was weirdly quiet. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, this is this is something that I know that Hibs was talking about last time. Is I think everyone and and maybe the changeup will be different because the again the rumors are that there's going to be less Hollywood presence there. But, but that's always the rumors. That always was the rumors. rumors last exactly. year as well. Yeah, and it wasn't necessarily the case. Is I think a lot of people feel that the 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 announcements get overlooked. Yeah, at Comic Con because there's just too many of them.
1: Well, last year, don't forget, T C did their announcement the month before. Remember, they're like, like exactly, Ventura, and
0: then they managed to just dominate the news cycle. For yeah, the month. and and I think um, everyone's, I would like to believe everyone's looking at that. Everyone currently is kind of going, yeah, you know what, Comic Con, we don't necessarily need to bust our big moves out at this one anymore. Well, yeah, we'll see. So. I think
1: Marvel's going to go big.
0: Yeah, yeah, I
1: because because the October solicits will be coming out that week. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to hold them back, which is what they did last year as well. Right. They're going to hold them back a week mm-hmm. and roll out the big news of the comic.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think there, I think there's a possibility to that. And I think, from what I remember, Hibbs was talking about, sort of like, what the hell am I going to do if that's the case? Essentially scrambling to put things in position, if you know, because because oh, you guys you, had you to thought, do a shit ton of work when the new Fifty Two came out. So. Yes depending on the amount of work and the scope of the announcements. Um, oh, it's going to be a lot of work because I I really do think they're just going to play, you mm-hmm. know, swappies with it. Well, definitely. I think that, in fact, if that's the least of it, then I think you were, you, you might be in good shape. You know what I mean? Like, that's the best case scenario because I really do think the worst case is that they do some well, really you've heard, you've bizarre things. Well, you've heard the Bandit events. rumor, right? Exile uh, is a bi-weekly book? No, I haven't heard that. Um X-Men
1: is a bi weekly book with Bendis and Stuart Eminem.
0: Huh. I for how and for how long will Eminem be able to keep that? I Eminen's mean I suppose fast. if they're working on it now. Eminem's fucking he's, fast he's fast, but I'm not sure he's bi weekly fast for a team book. I think he might be. There was a point
1: where Eminem was doing Avengers and Fantastic Four. It was like two-month period where he was doing both. And he was ghosting Fantastic Four in Brian Hitch's style.
0: Right. And yeah. to the point
1: where you could not see the join, which was Amazing. fucking stunning. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I... Let's put it this way. I find that easy to believe. I, of course, you know, in my uh, old man Bert kind of way, I'm like, yeah, but who cares? You know, maybe oh, that, other people don't no, care differently. Be,
1: that'll be... That'll be big news. That's the thing. You and I have a very different view of this because, right? For one, of a better way of putting it, like I get the how Newsorama is going to cover these stories, sure, angle, yeah, and so I really get a feeling of like this is big news. This is not big news, right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like no, 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 no new, absolutely, you get the idea sure, of like, sure, well, sure, right, people, absolutely. People are reacting to, yeah. It. Um, and well, I, I think it will be. I think. If they do what I'm expecting, which mm-hmm. is basically switch up the creative chores and right. cancel some books, but essentially replace them with exactly the same book. Yeah. Which, you know, Marvel sure. has a track record of doing. Right. Um, I think it'll be massive. I think it will be bigger than the news of the New 52, but not bigger than the sell-through of the New 52.
0: Interesting. Well, yeah. I it'll be interesting, because part of me is like, there's so many ways, like Avengers versus X Men. I, of course, had, had predicted exactly that. But then Marvel went so on the, the aggressive to make sure that retailers had copies of Avengers vs. X Men, the first issue in there, without, you know, or with without necessarily repeating the same things that the New Fifty Two did. So yeah, you're right. I guess what I'm just saying is is that it makes sense that you take Bendis off two Avengers titles and then you put them on X Men. And how do you make up for that? You basically have them put out two issues a month. Yeah. Uh, and then how do you cover the art chores at that sort of speed? Will oh, you get well, somebody who's very good and very fast like Eminem? Sure. Or just have revolving teams. Right. That, that's more likely what's well, going to happen. Because exactly. otherwise, Eminem,
1: even if Eminem was like the ongoing artist, right. he would sure he would burn out he would burn out and that's
0: sort of my thing of like yeah you can have him probably do that for like the first arc which will take place over like three months and you by that point you've got somebody else in the door and yeah maybe i i I mean i really i'm sort of like really is that what we want i mean and that is my thing yeah it's like everyone switches the teams around
1: no i know know i mean i am i am me
0: yeah exactly exactly so you're you're definitely not the target audience. Yes, exactly. Well, right. I'm not and I'm not buying it for certain reasons. But if I but if I was, I was already burnt out on Bendis anyway. Oh God,
1: you've just reminded me. I have to find uh, this thing at iFanBoy that uh, will will make you cry.
0: hmm
1: <laughs> No, really, it will you'll you'll have a Oh no. Li- life has to <laughs> life has to cease moment. It, it, <laughs> it's one of those things that one of those things that I read and uh-huh. I was like, Oh god. Really? No. That, that's, that's one of the most
0: depressing things I've read. Interesting. Let's see, this see. is just, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I, my personal theory is that, um, I don't know, is, again, you know, as, as we've all heard me hold forth in innumerable podcasts, is that the, the architects have a certain amount of value, but I'm not, I, I feel, and I could be wrong. I don't know what, I don't wrong, know what the value is anymore, I think. right.
1: I think fractions value is gone. But at the same time, you're then seeing the co opting for the Revolution, the right. co opting Gillen, the co opting Remander, which is the smartest thing right. to do. Right. It is Those smart. Th- Those are the writers who have the heat. Right. Exactly. And that's what you do. You cycle in, you keep the big names and you cycle in the new names who actually are bringing in the numbers. Right. That's, that's just smart
0: management. Agreed. But here's the thing that I guess bothers me. With the exception of Uncanny X Force, um, you know, cycling Gillen off of Uncanny X Men and cycling him to
1: Iron Man, supposedly.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm part of me is like it'll kind of work, but but this is my thing. Is is like if Avengers is only at this level with Bendis, and you actually have a higher level with Uncanny X Men with Gillen, mm-hmm. I think every you know they're treating the math like oh well then you put Bendis on X Men and it's going to go up to here. Yeah. my personal feeling is, is oh, I can't see what's well, not going to come down I get to actually use a visual yeah, metaphor with say, you which, but, which is the first not, time I've will ever not done which work
1: the, totally on podcast what he's basically saying is if Gillen is above Bendis mm-hmm. the math is that if Bendis takes over from Gillen he will take the level above Gillen whereas where that makes no that, sense to me I really yeah.
0: think it, why wouldn't it drag it down to that's you know?
1: yeah but and, and that's, I, I think I think you're entirely right I think in both ways mm-hmm. I think it will drag it down and I don't think Marvel realizes that right But they've got to learn it. And the thing is, they've actually got to learn it again because they saw it happen with Matt Fraction and Kieran Gillen on Thor. Right. Well, that's that's Which you think they would have learned, Mm -hmm. but apparently they didn't.
0: Yeah. Clearly they
1: have to, I don't know, be humiliated (laughs) and then be like, oh, I guess this doesn't work. I don't know. Yeah.
0: But it's... Well, and again, and this, this could be the other mistake. Is like, I think Eminence really is a fantastic artist, but I feel that sort of the same way that I feel that Fraction's reputation took a hit walking out of Fear Itself. I'm not exactly sure why we wouldn't expect that from Eminence as well, you know? And I could be wrong. I haven't followed the stuff that he's done since or, you know, or even really how he's perceived since. I mean, I know you and I were at a certain point reading Fear Itself. And kind of what was sticking us, sticking us through it, was the art. Although as yeah. time went on, I realized a, a lot of that was for me coloring enhanced, mm-hmm. and b, there were some weird fuck up things that sounded like they yeah, were mishandled the, parts of the script. Yeah, for me that seemed like storytelling problems yeah. as opposed to. But isn't isn't that wasn't that also in the artist's wheelhouse? I mean, I don't think he had time yeah, to fix yeah, it. Yes but, and no. I right. think
1: as one knows, he does he have time to fix it? Thanks. Yeah. I think if the script is inherently flawed then right. he either has to go with it mm-hmm. or he has to take time to rework the scene. Right. And if they're like, here's a 36-page final issue, you've got three weeks. Yeah. He doesn't have time to rework the scene. Right. He's just going to have to be like, I'm just going to draw the shit out of it and hope that no one notices.
0: And that's what I feel is a recipe for Bendis' the oh. disaster.
1: Oh, totally. Yeah. Completely agree. Here's the thing that I wanted to read you from I found boys that will depress the shit out of you.
0: Please. Are you ready? I'm I'm on the edge of my chair.
1: Strangely, I'm less annoyed by the disconnect between what writers are writing in comics and what they're writing on Twitter than I am by the pro-Kirby protests against Marvel's The Avengers. Marvel made half a billion dollars on Kirby's back without sharing their bounty, but I don't have the energy to get my dander up about that. This is not like me. I'm normally right in front of Don Quixote, charging towards the man with my stick of futility. In this case, though, I am for some reason resigned to the way of things. Marvel didn't pay Kirby for the Avengers idea, I find myself saying. The idea that a bunch of pre-existing work-for-hire characters could continue existing together. What jerks, not predicting in 1963 that kids' disposable pulp heroes would be worth billions of dollars half a century later, and cutting their employee in for the money that they could have kept for themselves. The bums. Who, who wrote this? Uh, this is a guy called... Jim... Oh, God. Oh, God. M R O C Z K O W S K I, Mruski? Yeah, I don't know. Uh,
0: okay, well, first, Wait, do, do you want me to keep going? Oh, it goes on from here. Oh, okay, this I... is part of a long. Article. Okay, because that part hasn't gone to me yet. Really? Keep going. Yeah, we'll be okay. Because first off, and perhaps it's fine to inter- interject these things. A, this is remarkably similar to Scott Kurtz's dumbass approach. Uh, when he got everyone angry at him, where he was basically like, hey guys, come on, you know, it's like, yeah, stop I, harshing I, I my re- mo. I weirdly
1: expected it from Scott Kurtz in a way that I didn't expect it from other people. I don't know, I I, I like I don't know. Did you that. see that
0: piece where the CNN reporter was apparently talking about, uh, you know, there was some CNN piece where he um, was basically saying like, Americans, we're proud, maybe we're too nosy and it's good that the government does things that we don't know about. <laughs> uh, this is that I love, is I love that, that
1: a journalist says that. Yeah, exactly. You know the problem asking questions.
0: Right. That it just gets us into trouble, doesn't it? I mean, you know, and this is something that that I guess, you know, over at Salon somebody went to to properly tear tear into pieces, but I don't there is it's you get a certain amount of traffic by holding this opinion and it's also just it's people don't like being uncomfortable. After a while you get upset with the idea of you know people slinging shit on your picnic and so they're like weirdly even though i'm normally in front of it you know it's it's just a very dressed up way of saying i really i want to enjoy this and i don't want to have to
1: you you're totally right i read this this morning and just got depressed
0: i'm like i'm not
1: the guy who's like i'm boycotting the company do you know what i mean like i'm mm-hmm. the guy who's still buying stuff from the company admittedly almost nothing but right. that's through taste rather than sure. ethics right um and yet i read this and i was just like really out of everything everything that you could have written mm-hmm. that was the thing that you thought you'd spend your time on
0: yeah i don't know there's just well like i said it's one it's one part like hey this is going to be great link bait because people are going to get incensed and they're going to flock to it and tell me why i'm wrong but it's also there's i'm sure and the and or the flip side of it is this person really does feel this way of like, hey, you know what, this is really is exact. I mean, I love the fact that he's like, instead of talking about one position that everyone's going nuts on, you know, like rather than defending the mainstream there, I'm going to defend the mainstream here. Like who could have predicted that, this, that these people would have made money with it? Therefore, why, why like even look at the idea of redressing the situation? Why that's just absurd. You know, it's what's done is done. It's set in stone. What what else does he have going on there?
1: Uh, maybe it's just that I'm a grumpy old man who's lived long enough to receive an email forward urging me to boycott every single thing I eat, drink, watch, listen to, or shop at. Right. But between, hear- between hearing about the conditions of the iPhone factory and hearing about what exactly they mean by blood diamonds, I find myself thinking, oh, so every waking moment of modern life is a horrific nightmare. But in the 60s, they only paid Jack Kirby a living wage instead of making him a millionaire. Well, where's my hanky?
0: Oh, that's brilliant.
1: A company acted in its own best interest rather than handing bags and bags of money over to the little guy? Yep, that sounds about right. That's pretty much the world waking up the way it's described in the manual. Yeah. If that structure is appalling, your children might want to buckle up for the rest of adulthood. By taking this passive stance against Kirby's heirs, you understand, I am putting myself in the corner of a multinational corporation that has undoubtedly done unspeakable things in the name of grabbing my dollar. If only someone had warned me and yet nothing disney or time warner does has dissuaded me from purchasing their products. They're so diversified, I'm not sure I c- I could cut them off even if I tried. <laughs> Which yeah, I was kind That's of like, beautiful. It's kind of like it's really easy to at least disney. Like maybe yeah. if you're cables through time warner, but like disney it's yeah. really easy to cut Disney off.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's
1: it's, that's kind of like you know News Corporation. How can I stop giving them all my money? I right, mean, like, well, exactly. They're a big company, sure, but they're really easily. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I mean that, and that that's great because I I do think that as this stuff happens, is more and more of our media is owned by like six or seven companies now. You know, as that can, that trend increases. I think it will be people will be like, well, but I can't. What can I do? I turn off a third of my, you know, access to popular culture. It'd be like having a stroke. You know? At the same
1: time, the guys who went indie have done so in such a fashion that I find it obnoxious that it, and it makes me never want such to another book again as long as I live. What? By- Why is that? Sure, most of them went directly from becoming famous and successful at the relatively, using the term very loosely, big two to so striking out on their own, badmouthing the very people who made them what they are. But how is that really any different from me and any company I've worked for? When you get right down to it, where does my antipathy from the Robert Kirkmans of the world come from as someone who thinks of himself as a damn-the-man quasi-commie? First of all, you're nothing like a damn-the-man quasi-commie. <laughs> Seriously. It's kind of amazing. I can't even imagine how Republican your friends are for that to be the case. <laughs> Maybe I've just lived long enough to see every man become the thing he claims to despise. Maybe I'm just projecting. Whatever the reason, I'll leave the shop with an armful of DC and Marvel books on Wednesday and sleep like a baby. May God have mercy on my soul.
0: Wow. Wow. No, I did not see this piece. And I have to say, again, I'm like, I, I think weirdly going through it the first time with Scott Kurtz was, uh, in part because Scott Kurtz was an actual creator I was kind of appalled by his whole thing of like, oh, that was such a long time ago. We have to let it go. You know, it's the same thing. It's like, just why can't you let me enjoy my stuff? You know, and I, I in, a really, that. in
1: a really, truly weird way, I was not as surprised mm-hmm. as Scott Kirsten. That's what For you said. exactly that reason.
0: Yeah, that he was a creator? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Oh because
1: well. it looked to me as the... Cause, and I just see... Just like politics, Jeff becomes much more polarized. I see comics becoming much more polarized oh, yeah. between apologists
0: and activists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's I, well. I sort of think that that's it's true. Special professionals. I yeah. say. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, definitely along the professional lines. And what I find fascinating, well, here, here's the other thing I will say, Graham, because this is something that I've considered in my own life. Uh, hopefully, people who, who write us comments and ask me about where my stands are, or where do I, you know, get off my high horse or et cetera, et cetera, come in uh, is that, um, you know, I, there, we all have situations that are out of our control, that we feel helpless in, that we have to be, that we feel we have to participate in, you mm-hmm. know? And that, I think particularly here in the United States, well, and probably as the world economy continues to get more dire, there's a, a lot of things that we have to continue to do, to make a living or to get by kind of as you and I were talking about with the freelancers dilemma, you know, a couple yeah. of episodes ago. I think we all have that. And consequently, interestingly enough, I think there's the possibility that it makes us a little more outspoken, so to speak, in areas that are much more minor, I guess, that are kind of not yeah. really yeah. No, anything. No, no, no I, I
1: it's, it's a sense of like, I am ultimately powerless, but in this, I do not feel so powerless that I'm going to. Right. Express my right my exactly, feeling. yeah, yeah,
0: you know, is like, is like, I so I I wonder the. I'm starting to think though that there is uh, maybe things are being kicked up a notch because honestly, what impressed me about when Paulo M. Rivera said that he was leaving for greener pastures is he totally. I mean, I think Chris Robertson did not badmouth the whole thing with Robert Kirkman, I think, is really silly too because I think he was just talking about acting out of sort of enlightened self-interest, I suppose. When I think back to his video of many years back with the creator challenge, um, you know, I think that was a little bit of PR, a little bit of showmanship, but I don't think in any way that he was actually saying like, damn those guys, you know? So it's interesting that this guy pulls that as, as, unless there's some more recent thing that Kirkman said that I don't know about. I think what's happening is creators are looking down the barrel of like, shittier working situations, and they're actually at a point in the market where the marketplace shows them they do have another choice. And yeah. so, like when Rivera said, he's like, I want to try and do some of these things while I can, and I want to do them with the freedom of having done them and, and, and knowing that I tried them. Yeah. And when we're looking at a situation of, you know, when Image was saying all this stuff about, oh, it's the year of the creator, like, oh, look at our indie guys, like, I don't, I think of that had just been kind of a it was just a pr thing you know it's like oh yeah okay here's a way for us to sell some books whether or not they the extent to which they believed it or to the extent to which the creators believe it but when you have a dude who was selling 20 some odd, you know twenty thousand copies of marvel team up and rather than try and cover four titles and risk being able to get on amazing spider-man he ended up jump you know, he ended up putting his resources behind a book that is probably going to be the top selling comic book of what is it, next month?
1: Yeah. It's gonna be the, the July top selling book. Yeah,
0: the July top selling book in the middle of in- Avengers versus X Men. Significantly X-Men. so. Yeah. Well. And significantly so. At that point, even if he sort of seems you know, you've had crazy gold rushes formed on yeah, far but, less. But not only that, I mean you've just
1: got to look at the Bookstore success of yeah. Walking Dead. Well,
0: see, that's it. He doesn't need the, the... the Him having the number one selling book in the direct market is just the cherry yeah, on a it is incredibly it's, substantial... It's, it's
1: very funny. It's like he is going to substantially outsell mm-hmm. AVX, and that is going to be pretty much like bragging rights
0: only because yeah.
1: he is already making his money and then some on the collections. Yeah,
0: exactly. The collections, the what he sells with The Walking Dead compared to, you know, DC and Marvel, the amount of money that he makes is an incredible, incredible ton, you know, fuck ton, if you excuse the technical term, of money. And I think there is ways in which, uh, you know, I hope that that does have more creators be able to leave and do things on their own. And they will very easily say, oh, no, no, it's nothing personal. It's just for... It's it's just it's just smart business sense, yeah. which is exactly the reason that DC and Marvel have been fucking people in the ear for decades. Yeah. Like, oh, you can't blame them for acting like businessmen. Why should I blame Paulo M. Rivera for doing that? Why should I blame even Chris Robertson for doing something like that? You know, it's I, I think that, uh, and when I say even Chris Robertson, I think that that I was thrilled that that he made the move that he did for ethical reasons. Yeah, that know? was
1: just it. It's, it's mm-hmm. one of those things that you we're coming to a point now where people are making decisions based on ethics in directions that they couldn't have done before.
0: Exactly. If the marketplace is strong enough to allow people to make ethical decisions, that's a sign of, I think, a very strong marketplace. And and it's, it's a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Here's the question. Do you think Creators have been
1: blamed for doing this sort of thing. Do you think there's there's a fan? I mean, I, I definitely saw people being like, "How dare Chris Robertson say this about mm-hmm. DC?" But I feel that that was based on a perceived slight against DC. I don't think did anyone have a backlash against Paolo Rivera? I, I didn't I model? didn't see
0: any. And I I you know maybe admittedly I don't I don't follow these things closely enough. But I you know it was kind of weird when this guy mentioned like I was ex- you know but no I don't really see where people are saying that about those guys or when Mark Wade is doing his stuff it helps that he's still got a leg in you know with with Marvel stuff yeah. but the fact that he's doing his own thing at Thrillbent and trying to make a go of it um, it just seems silly to me Mark
1: Waid, of course one of the revolutionaries oh is he yeah
0: well of course I mean it, it doesn't make sense but you have okay, got the makes, books that sense. had buzz that actually move books the idea that Marvel's actually recognizing that and building some branding around it, it? It beats the hell out of like, you know, when they were doing Young Guns and they were pushing or Young Guns were artists. There who were the ones architects. when Nope, no there was architects, there was Young Guns, and who were the when they were pushing like Howard Zimmerman and you know, do you remember way back new they Marvel? Didn't, they didn't have a branding for them though. I thought they did. Well there, I thought there was one before Young Guns. Maybe I'm wrong. Was Young Guns the first one? I wonder. Do say you remember yes. that? Okay. So, because I thought had, Young Guns were majorly weird. artists. They, yeah, it?
1: but they were. But they—they—I they, don't remember them pushing writers as a collective until the Architects.
0: Oh, okay. Well, then maybe that's true. Yeah, maybe I'm—maybe I'm completely misremembering it.
1: Um, but uh, who knows? We—we'll have to ask Marvel writers who are listening to this because we know you're out there. Feel free to write and tell us. Yes. You're—you're you're looking at the at the.
0: Oh yes, because of the way that we're recording this, the thing that's hilarious is that I know that we've been talking for forty-two minutes. On top of the fifty-four minutes that we were speaking before, we so. should shut up. Yeah, we've got. We should. We should stop this so that we can do things like eat waffles. Um, <laughs> really? Are you heading to the waffle window? I, thought, I, I, I might, might. If I, I can, can talk Edie into so it. Out to, the, to the brothers. Yes. Yeah, I'm heading out there, but I give him a heads up as to win. So yeah, in theory, okay. depending on how much time we have. Anyway, everyone. Hey,
1: this Jack was, Blaster was live, everyone.
0: Yeah, hey, gentlemen. You know, I have to say, I thought this was going to be more uncomfortable than it was. I was oh, a little I'd, unfocused I'd, without I'd be, having. I've
1: been weeping <laughs> internally this entire time. I,
0: I think, I think I feel stupider doing this in real time in front of you. Like I'm really like. No, I know, did, I mean, It's very strange. Just like, where do we look? Do we
1: look at each other? Where yeah. Do we, do we look know? at
0: the screens? I can't really pull out a comic book, you know. But but on the other hand, listeners, let us know. Was this a, a huge failure? Uh, if not, don't worry. We're going to be back to the same. Old yeah, thing I was going to say yeah.
1: it doesn't really matter because because we live in different cities, we're going to be different. It's Skype pretty much. But you know, if this is
0: going to prevent, is this is like a deal killer for me moving? Let us know.
1: Wait, so. are you moving?
0: No, no, never. But <laughs> don't,
1: I, don't, don't just drop st- that at the end of a podcast. St- well, you know, I gotta, I gotta keep people interested, right? Jeez, was a cliffhanger. I didn't know. <laughs>
0: I should and have said Wait and see, Graham. Or am I? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh man, that was mean. Sorry. That was mean, Jeff I, Lester. I apologize, Graham McMillan. Just think—one. No, we've we've now we've. What do you do? Do you break cherries? Bleh. Take cherries. What is what's it called? I
0: Taking somebody's cherry has that's, a very different that's, meaning. No, that's it, here. no, but it was. Well, like, are you talking about your, our virginity? Yes. Oh yes, then we have. Yes, yes. We, we've we've what taken the, broken the cherry? What did it break? Oh my God! The maidenhead. The the. I, no, I was not. I, I was I'm like all of right a sudden it's like my knowledge of sex. I'm I, for some reason I was like the, breaking the motorboat. Is that what we <laughs> did? <laughs> yes,
1: we're breaking the motorboat. That's so vile. <laughs> Oh my God, everyone who, everyone, er, just, I was going to say everyone who knows what motorboat is and I was like, just everyone. I'm really sorry for that. Oh my God. Um, But what I was going to say is now that we've done this, the next step is doing it at
0: at a convention. Doing it at a convention, yes. Uh, Or I guess video Skyping, which I just don't, I don't think that's going to Yeah,
1: the best part that listeners, uh, before Jeff and I were doing this, Kate, my wife, was like. Hey, so after this, after you've gotten used to doing it face to face, you can do it in video. And both of us were like, no, "No, no, no, let's not." No, that
0: I could see doing it if we actually did get Graham to dress up as Ernie and I dressed up as Bert, maybe for Halloween or something. But other than that, no, I do have the nose. Do you? So no. You just, and just and just, the, oh, oh, I thought you meant in a, a closet nose. somewhere. No. I was more worried about the tuft of hair because I think I, I can get the just, just t- need t- to
1: get it, grow a bit <laughs> and then it'll die. That's a sad thing. It'll be a receiving bird, but yeah, nonetheless.
0: Anyway, Graham, did you want to sing us out? or? Uh... Oh, yeah,
1: and you can actually see me wave when I do it. I'm exactly. Like, Bye! See, it's brilliant.
0: He actually is waving. Okay. <laughs>